Hi everyone, Ashley Brown here. Welcome to Hawks Insiders, our post-game ratings of the Hawthorne 10-point loss to Melbourne at the MCG late Saturday afternoon, early Saturday evening. Um, we don't like the word honourable loss at Hawthorne too often. It has been part of the vocabulary there for a long time, but this, if there was one, this was it because, uh, as we'll get to it, uh, as a game that to my eyes, as I welcome uh, Darren Levine and Danny Prince to the podcast. Hello, gentlemen. Hi, Ash. Evening, Ash. One of those games, I never thought the result was in doubt from late in the first quarter, yet there it was, 10 points at the end. So it was a, uh, a bizarre, not bizarre, but a, a strange old day at the footy. So um, a couple of quick thoughts before we get into the player ratings. Uh, just your one key takeaway from each of you. I would say for me... Um, I just came away from watching the game and I didn't get to watch it live. I had to watch it on replay. Um, but I came away just feeling proud. Um, it's a it's a young side. It's a side that's in the middle of a rebuild and it's a side that wasn't expected on a five-day turnaround to compete with the reigning premiers. And they competed. And um, I think you've said it in the past, Ash, in the past couple of weeks, when we've been up against it, you said, you know, North Melbourne have folded a couple of times this year this young Hawks team under Mitchell doesn't fold. Uh, well, it hasn't yet. So, um, yeah, I was just really proud. That's that's the main key takeaway for me. Yeah, same as Danny. And I think I put a tweet out on the Hawks Insiders Twitter saying bloody proud at the end of that game. I think they just, the way they kept going for four quarters, there was a point that I thought Melbourne would kick away by 10 goals, but they stuck with it. And, you know, Melbourne may have switched off and switched back a gear and started thinking about next week and, and that could have been the reason. But, you know, to, to end with just going down by 10 points, I think was a really super effort. Right on the WhatsApp group at three-quarter time, 75% 75 point losses coming up for Hawthorne. So we showed him, or they showed him. Well, when does Brad ever not say that? <laughs> no, that's true. Uh, all right, um, let's start with Tom Mitchell. Um, he had 22 disposals, uh, seven tackles, he had 10 contested possessions, went 54% disposal accuracy. He turned the ball over three times. He kicked a goal. Um, he had uh, three, uh, six clearances. He had, had, and he presented at uh, only 15 centre bounce appearances. So spent a lot more time sort of forward of centre. Danny, what do you, what do you think, make of his game? To be honest, I didn't really, uh, I didn't really notice Tom all that much. <laughs> Um, and I don't know what it was, but um, there were there were certain players that stuck out to me, and and he wasn't one of them. Um, other than the fact that he almost kicked two goals in it in in the space of thirty eight seconds or something uh, late in the game, um, I thought he was just okay. Um, I don't know if Daz has got any more insights from being at the ground that it was different to on TV, but he was just he was just okay. Uh, yeah, six six out of ten, you know. Yeah, I agree. And I think um, I think he was probably better when he went forward, to be honest. I didn't think he was really having much impact around the contest and turned it over a few a few times. Tom, uh, so number four is for Hawthorne. Jarman Impey, much better game from him after the uh, disgraceful effort against the Sydney League. Four, 21 disposals, six marks, two tackles, uh, only two contested possessions, not really his go. 90% disposal uh, efficiency was good, so he didn't really butcher the ball too much. He didn't score. He uh, said he had six marks. He's on for 107 uh, minutes or so, 228 metres gained, um, four rebound 50s. A much better game from him, uh, Darren. 
Yeah, that was the jars we know and love. And I think um, he probably doubled his disposal tally just a few minutes into the first quarter from last week. So he was never going to... It was have... noted when he got his first kick through. Uh, he's <laughs> half, which is like the first minute or so. He yeah. half as many kicks as last week. But yeah, I thought he, re- he responded well. And that's the jars we know and love. Um, thought he was energetic through the game. Used the footy well. Um, was always was always there as a link in the chain. And... Um, yeah, just really happy with the way he responded. Uh, another player who, uh, who another player who was under the pump after a really poor game against the Storms was uh, was um, uh, James Warple. Twenty six disposals. He had uh, three marks, three tackles, kicked a goal. He had fourteen contested possessions, which was the leading for the Hawks in that category for the game. So like 10 turnovers, um, 100% scoring accuracy. He had uh, four clearances, which was equal, second equal highest for Hawthorne of the game. Tom Mitchell had six, what was the most. Um, he had 13 set of bounce attendances. Just a much better, his attack on the footy was much better. He broke some tackles again, played with a lot more confidence. Uh, a couple of decision-making errors is one that probably cost us a goal at one stage. He... Uh, he went the handball instead of, uh, and, and he turned the ball over from handball. If he kicked long to the forward line, I think they had uh, they had the, the advantage there. It was at quite an interesting stage of the game. I think they might have gone back and scored the other way as well. So it was a bit of a twelve point turnaround. But uh, Danny, it was a much better game from uh, the twenty nineteen Peter Coons medalist. Yeah, I think that's the the sort of Warple output we've been looking for all year and haven't found. So um, you know, with a few of our midfielders. Most of our midfielders, we have issues with disposal efficiency, uh, and fifty percent's not great. Um, but the intent and the the intensity around the contest was much better this week. And getting his hands on the ball twenty six times is is massive for his confidence. So I think he'll take a lot out of this because Melbourne's midfield unit was was still very good on the day. So um, if he can if he can brush up and take that disposal efficiency up, you know, 15 to 20%, I think then you get that really 2019 Warple um, that we know and love. And, and it was great to see him kick that nice long goal uh, late in the game too, just to give us a bit of a sniff. A rating? Uh, sorry, seven and a half, I'll give him actually. And how good was that smother in the last quarter? I thought that was that was tremendous. It was just the warps, that, the warps we want to see every week. Number six, fourth on is the uh, captain for the next four weeks. James Sicily, 26 disposals. He had um, 13 marks, a tackle. Didn't score, although he did twice try and get the uh, get the give from a player standing If a player had a free kick or a mark, and twice overruled by the umpire. He'd be very disappointed with that. Um, where 77% disposal efficiency. He had six turnovers, 10 intercept possessions. He played uh, oh, he's, he's two contested marks, 631 metres gained. It was another great game. What's this other figure? Nine rebound fifties. Um, a fantastic uh, game, I thought. From uh, from I would have had him as Hawthorne's probably second best player on the day. Yeah, I, I thought he was actually the best player on the ground in the first quarter. I thought, I thought he was um, really imposing back there and just used the footy so well. And you know, I think we all knew that 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 Sis would take the captaincy in his stride and lead from the front, and that's what he did. And Really, one of those goals, but um, wasn't to be. But yeah, I, th- I thought he thought he was amazing. Eight and a half. 
It was really interesting, actually, listening to, I was in the car on the way back from my soccer match in the afternoon, listening to the game live. And on Triple M, they were actually having a go at him as a leader for trying to take those um, shots off the players from outside 50. I think it was really centered around the Dylan Moore one, which I didn't really understand because if you've got a weapon, you use a weapon, right? Now, look, Moore went back and kicked it, but it was a bit of a, it was a, it was a really strange take, um, that just because he's captain, he can't get the the ones out the back. I think I think it's something that um, Sicily and Scrimshaw are both good at, and should, and we should do wherever we can get away with it. So uh, I thought it was phenomenal, James Sicily. I thought it was really good. Yeah, I thought he played a terrific game as well. Um, all right, uh, number eight, Sam Frost. Not one GF in the Melbourne sports. A bit disappointing. Now they've won the premiership. They don't really care anymore. Unlike a couple of years ago when they were absolutely giving it to him. Um, he had 11 disposals. He had eight marks, three tackles. He had 91% disposal efficiency. So cop that, Melbourne. He had uh, not a lot of frosty ball, uh, three turnovers, six intercept possessions. He took uh, eight uncontested marks, no contested marks. Uh, what else did he have? Five frees against. That's another uh, notable statistic, six one percenters. Um, I, thought he, I, th- I thought he did okay. I thought the back line looked, there was a big job against really uh, Wiedemann and McDonald and Brown. And a couple of times, Frosty paid the price, giving away free kicks because Ben Brown was un, he's uncoordinated. Um, so, all that doesn't help going to ground a little bit too easily. Um, what do you make of his game, Dan? I think the bad uh, the bad part of the of the frost game was the free kicks against which three of out of the five of them led to um, Melbourne goals. So if he doesn't give those away, potentially you know the game looks a little bit different or a lot different. But um, I love I love that frost just only knows one way and that's to give everything he's got. And sometimes it's going to work against him, um, you know. He will go on a crazy run. He didn't do that this 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 week so much, but uh, or he'll just give away a stupid free kick, and you just think, just keep your eyes on the ball, don't watch the man. But um, he he just competes, and he's outsized hugely against uh, Ben Brown, who's you know two hundred plus centimeters. So um, we can't we can't knock him too much for that. But I thought he was just okay. I would have given him a five and a half. Number ten, Jago Mira. 24 disposals, two marks, five tackles, one goal, two. Interesting, he spent 70, 70% of his time in the offensive half. He now, that is now, he's, he's, when he's on in the midfield, he goes forward and he's, if anything, he's almost the disruptive negative, almost in a way, a bit of a Paul Piopolo role from a couple of years back, almost there to create a contest in the forward line and if need be, stop the opposition's run out of the back line. He had um, 13 contested possessions, 11 uncontested possessions. He, um, he was on the ground, 89 uh, minutes or so, 248 metres gained, five tackles, five inside 50s, 13 set of bounce attendances. I think he's had a good couple of weeks, Jago. He's been a bit maligned, particularly the Hawks insiders. Uh, we go after him a bit, but I thought he had a, a pretty good game. It's been a pretty good fortnight, Dad. Yeah, I think so. And I think um, if that's his new role, so that, that negating half forward, um, putting pressure on it. He did that role really well. Could have used it a little bit better, but um, that is, uh, I think, a, 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 the right way to use Omira for the rest of the year and um, hopefully it grows into that role. Um, and I think, yeah, that's, that's probably Sam getting the best out of him. 
Connor Nash, 10 disposals, uh, one mark, three tackles. He went at 60% disposal efficiency. He, uh, well, don't really, not point saying too many other stats. To, suffice to say, he was given, or four inside 50s, he was given a job. He was tagging Clayton Oliver for a fair part of the match. He ran with Oliver. I think he had a bit of Petrarca as well at one stage. And then he hurt his quad in the last quarter and, uh, and didn't finish the game. Daniel Howe came on to replace him. Um, we'll, may or may not find out extended injury this week from the Hawks, depending on how uh, candid they are, Danny, in their uh, in the injury report come Tuesday. But uh, how did you rate his game? Yeah, they might not say anything and he'll be out for four weeks. That's how well the Hawks are going with their injury reports. But um, in a bit of an up and down game. I mean, Clayton Oliver's a phenomenal player and gets his possessions a bit like peak Tom Mitchell gets his possessions. Just it's very hard to stop. But there were moments and there were periods um, after the first quarter where Nash, you know, clamped down and, and negated a bit of his um, ball getting ability. So I, I think there's something there with, uh, with Connor Nash as a tagger as well. Um, I mean, huge frame and the ability to run. So that's a good start. I, I'd just give him a, just a pass mark, uh, just a, just a five for Nash. But I think he's a, becoming a really important part of the sort of midfield rotations. And I hope his injury is not too bad because uh, more than most, he needs, just a, a fairly long run at it just to see what we've got. Um, we're still trying to work that out, I think. It's interesting with um, with Oliver. My, my thoughts of watching the game were that he was in second gear for most of it. He found he found another gear when he absolutely had to. Um, so, but I mean, I think Nash did a good job. But I thought Petrarca was in the same boat. I think they just found. This did something when they needed to do it. Gorn was probably the same as well. And they're the Melbourne's three best players. Uh, and there's another player we'll get to later who's been arguably their best player this year, and uh, he was well beaten, but we'll, we'll talk about that later on. Interestingly, I don't think Nash attended any ruck contests. No, because yeah. Callow, I think, was the... Uh, yeah, yeah. And Callow was, uh, was the second ruckman. Okay, Dylan Moore, 33 disposals, 11 marks, three tackles. A goal, because he loves a goal. 82% disposal efficiency. Um, he had 29 of his possessions were uncontested. He had um, all his marks yeah, uncontested. 108 minutes on the ground. 546 metres gained. 138 AFL fantasy points for those who play that sort of game. I want to quickly um, go through his third quarter. At 15 disposals, five marks and a tackle. and. Uh, his third quarter, even though it was a quarter, Melbourne probably got on top of the game. His third quarter is outstanding. Uh, a, a great game from him. Um, who up to? Up to me, but we we forgot about our Messiah Will Day. Maybe we'll do that one a bit later. Oh, um, sorry. I, I can't get uh, the alphabetical. I can't get the numerical order up in the AFL app. So I'm, I got I'm, you, Ash. Don't worry. I'm scrolling. We'll get to Will Day next. Go to Dylan Moore. Oh, I mean. I've kind of lost superlatives for that game. 33 touches off the half-board line. Like, he was brilliant. And I actually, watching it on the ground, I didn't really notice his impact as much as I did watching it on the replay. There were a lot of, I was speaking to Danny before, a lot of passages of play where he'd get two, three, four touches um, and then just keep running. And I think it was highlighted on one of the Sunday footy shows. Channel 9 footy show, yeah. Yeah, just how hard he works. And it's great to see him getting credit because start of the season, you had Kane Corns having a 
crack at him for not being elite. I think he's probably uh, in the All-Australian squad at the moment on form and he's just um, gets better every week. And there's more tricks to uh, strings to the bow every week too. Um, and maybe, you know, when are we going to see Dylan Moore playing on the ball, playing in the middle of the ground? Well, Is that- I think we started to. Yeah, I've made the point in the observations that we might talk about a bit more in the spaces on Thursday night. Dylan Moore is maybe he maybe if Brockman and Butler can come on as a small forwards and that does release more to become this really dangerous uh, dangerous running midfielder. So that is something, and I, that is something that I think they uh, they would like to do. Um, as I said, the Channel Nine boys were all over, uh, or certainly all over how well he played. So uh, I thought it was a, a really terrific performance from him. He would be one of two or three Hawthorne players. I think you know, if they were doing an Australian squad of forty now, he'd be he'd have to be in there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think the really interesting part of his game for a half forward flank um, was that he had seventy percent of his time or sixty nine percent of his time in the defensive half. So the work rate was just incredible. Uh, and I think that that's more a reflection of in the second half, especially, I think they played him more wing midfield, um, outside mid. So, um, yeah, like Dad said, just adding a new string to his bow as a player who, you know, a year and a bit ago wasn't going to be on our list. So it's a, it's a phenomenal rise, which doesn't show any signs of slowing down at any time. I'm going to give him a nine. I forgot to do that. Always do. Uh, worthy, it was worthy again. Toss up between him and James Sisley for Hawthorne's best player on the day. So, Will Day, 20 disposals, um, five marks, two tackles. No defensive half, as we know. Um, seven contested possessions, 15 uncontested possessions, four turnovers, including a couple of clunkers that were very unwill Day like, and we didn't quite know how to handle that. Seven intercept possessions, four score involvements. He. Um, Anything else of note? That probably about does it. Danny, the Prince, what uh, what did you think? Well, I mean, I'll never say anything negative about Will Day um, because I want to keep my job here at Hawks Insiders. And, I thought uh, you were killed at one stage. There's one marking contest. Uh, and why does it always have to be him backing into marking contests? <laughs> Seriously, like, just stay out of a few of them, Will. We don't mind. Um, and But it was a little bit like the other week uh, with Sicily uh, and missing two or three kicks where you thought, hang on, what's going on here? There was a couple of kicks Will Day hit, and I was like, is this the same guy? Have they yeah. subbed him out for somebody else? Is Finn kicking? No, that's harsh. But, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think other than the, the couple of clangers that he did have, um, he's just he just gives you so much um, security and safety. You just feel comfortable when he's got the ball, even when he, after he's made four clangers in, in a game. So I don't know. I, I just love everything about Will Day and I just want him to stay on the field and not back back into packs too much. Um, we don't need another concussion. Um, I thought he was, I thought he was solid. Look, it wasn't, a, it wasn't his best game. Um, and, but, but I think the beautiful thing is this is a guy who's played what 25 games of footy and an average game for him is 20 touches and we go, yeah, he was okay, you know, but there's so much more there. He's just scratching the surface. I'd, I'd say I'd give him a six and a half. Uh, he destroyed Essendon last year. I'm looking forward to seeing him do that. Yeah, I was going to say saving himself for Essendon. Save himself for Essendon. Um, <laughs> Jack Scrimshaw, 20 disposals, five marks, two tackles, um, 80% disposal efficiency, uh, uh, eight contested possessions, uh, 
good outing from him in that respect. Um, five marks, of which four were uncontested. He had uh, 348 metres gained. He had seven rebound 50s. Uh, what do you think of his game, uh, Daz? Yeah, again, just really consistent from Scrimshaw. We just know what to expect from him every week. And the fact that he he, he kind of attains the same level every week just shows how uh, elite he is as a player. And, um, yeah, again, another one of those players where you feel really comfortable with a ball in his hands. He rarely makes a mistake. And he's so good at switching the play as well. I think he's got really great vision. Um, and a, a lot of good stuff was set up from him, him at halfback. Righty? Uh, seven. Blake Hardwick, uh, 17 disposals. He had uh, six marks. Didn't have any tackles, uh, mainly uh, 88% disposal efficiency. So he's got that back going again after a, 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 a mare a few weeks ago against the Saints. He had um, six contested, seven uncontested possessions. Only two turnovers, eight intercept possessions. He uh, gained 193 metres. He had four rebound 50s. And he basically thrashed Bailey Fritch, who I rate. Oh, I think he's a seriously good player, Bailey Fritch. And, uh, well, didn't put him to the cleaners. Daddy. It's really interesting, right, because he absolutely did demolish Bailey Fritch, who is a very good player. But did he still feel like it had he had, like, the most inconspicuous Dimmer Hardwick game? I don't know. I've watched I've watched the replay back, and then I've watched the extended highlights, and I'm not sure I saw him. Um, but but then he has 17 touches, and he and his man barely touches the footy. So he's got this ability of being anonymous, but being an incredible shutdown defender. So, uh, and I think he's really developed. I think he was a good back pocket, you know, good user of the ball. Uh, but I feel like he's really developed his one-on-one defending over the last year and a half to like be able to put him on a Charlie Cameron or a really good crumbing small forward and he can handle his own. And then Bailey Fritch is like that medium leading leading forward and he can beat him. So I, I think he's just – I mean, he is, right? He's one of the first names on the team sheet and he always has been since he's been shifted down back. But – He's just becoming more versatile in the way that the type of player that he can defend. He's never going to defend a 195 centimeter player, but um, those smalls and the medium smalls that play taller, he can take them both. And I think that's a huge asset to have in the back line. Um, he's also Hawthorne's best player now at giving the umpire the stink eye after a questionable decision. A couple of times I noticed uh, with some of those 50 50 free kicks Melbourne got in the inside 50. Dimmer was the one just making it, in, very subtly making it known to the umpires. That he as long as he doesn't raise his arms. Yeah, he didn't okay, raise right? his arm. That's what I'm yeah. saying. He was very good at it. He, Beautiful. He, uh, he was able to tell, you know, let the umpires know that the decision was quite bullish. And um, so he's good at that. Did you give him a rating? Uh, I didn't. I pulled the best as uh, impersonation I could and forgot. Uh, I'd give him a seven and a half. Good, great job against Bailey Fritch. I probably could have given him an eight. Actually, uh, Danny Howe, we won't uh, talk about him too much. He had two, he had two disposals. Um, ended up playing, having to do double duty today and played for Box Hill. Uh, so he uh, he played two games of footy on the weekend, came on the last quarter for Connor Nash. Not a lot to say, really. We'll move on now to player I do want to talk a little bit about, and that would be uh, number 19 for Hawthorne. His name is Jack Gunston, who had uh, 18 disposals, Three marks, kick zero three, which I'll talk about a bit 
Um, 61% disposal efficiency, seven contested, 11 uncontested possessions. He had uh, nine score involvements, three goal assists. He took three marks. Jack was lively at five inside 50. Jack was lively. I've got two concerns. He's still just about the smartest player in the side at Hawthorne. And it's been wonderful to have him back. I'm a bit worried that the back injury has affected his goal kicking a little bit. I certainly don't think he's as mobile as he used to be. I think the ball gets to ground now. He he struggles to get the ball at ground level. If he spilled the mark, you can forget about him almost getting the footy after that. Uh, but he's going to get games the next two years because he just because he still brings that leadership and and finding that role. As long as he can be the third forward and not the second forward, he's going to be valuable to Hawthorne. For the uh, for the foreseeable future, Daz, what do you think? Yeah, I, I agree with that assessment, and I think his role now is actually bringing others into play. And I think he's bringing the young forwards into play, making space for Cozzy and and Mitch Lewis when he comes back. Um, I agree. I, I I think at ground level, we just he's he he really struggles to get to those to get to those contests, and I don't know the, 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 that kick where he was trying to kick it to the moon. Uh, probably would have nailed that uh, uh, nine times out of 10 um, in the past. So, yeah, missed a couple of crucial goals. But, yeah, he's, he's, I, I really value his contribution and it's going to be really important for a developing young forward line. So um, going to give him a six. Yeah, I think that's a, probably a, a, a pretty fair ranking for him. I'm not sure his value to another team is diminishing all the time. I mean, he's going to be good for Hawthorne in a couple of years. I'm not sure what. Nice Jack's got left to offer. Um, any any other side going around? I'm also worried with him with because he's spending so much probably so much time now rehabbing his back between games and doing whether that's the time that you would have spent goal kicking, you know, practicing his goal kicking. There's only so many hours in the week, I think, and I, I think the maintenance to get up from week to week might affect his uh, the time he spends out in the track because he used to have that brilliant routine. He was so he used to be so reliable. I'm just not sure. Is our most reliable kick for goalie well, a couple at Hawthorne might have got past it. Might actually we actually were good exercise the spaces the next week or two might be the Hawks kick for your life. So uh, you guys can have some advance warning for that one. We can talk about that uh, quite soon. Uh, Chad Wingard, number 20, 17 disposals. Uh, he had three marks, a tackle, one goal, two. No surprise, 100% of his time in the offensive half, so he did not cross centre line all day, did Chad. 47% disposal efficiency, six contested, 10 uncontested possessions. He had uh, three marks, one mark inside 50, 206 metres gained. And that is about all she wrote for the Chad Daddy. I feel like this is a perfect encapsulation of why Hawthorne fans are often frustrated with Chad. He's a big what-if player since he's come to the Hawks, I think. And um, if his disposal efficiency is better and if he's kicking straighter, that's a really good game for a small forward. Um, but it's just a so-so game uh, because he's so much hes so much better. He's one of our best ball users, um, yeah, or, or should be. And he's hes such a great um, shot at goal. So, um I don't know, a bit, a bit, bit frustrating, and I, and I'm a, I'm a big Chad Wingard fan, um, but I'm, I've been a little, probably a little frustrated with his output in the last couple of weeks, and um, I'd only just, I'd only just give him a six um, for, for the Saturday's effort. 
I forgot Max Lynch. Um, and Lockie so Bramble. Thought, what's that? And Lockie Bramble. And Lockie Bramble. How am I going? Oh, what's... <laughs> I forgot well, Lockie Bramble too, so... Well, I've got Lynch up on the screen, so let's do him first, and then we'll get a Bramble. Well, no, you know I've been playing, so uh, forgive me, please, uh, all you Max Lynch and Lockie Bramble fans out there. So Max Lynch had eight disposals. He had three tackles. He had uh, five contested possessions. He had, um, let's go to the key stat for him. He had 19 hitouts. So I haven't got Max Gorn's in front of me, but I'm sure Max Gorn had a lot more. Um, but his role was fascinating. He basically, he racked when Gorn racked. As soon as Gorn left the ground, he left the ground. There were a couple of instances where he, he attempted to hurt Gorn, or at least physically work him over. I think that was part of his role, was also just make him tire Gorn out. Do your best because Gordon didn't have Luke Jackson giving chop outs, and perhaps they thought, well, Gordon will ruck longer than he might normally without Jackson in the side. Wear him out, tire him out. Gordon was pretty good. I mean, he's, he's a superstar, Max Gordon. I thought uh, I thought Max Lynch battled really hard. Danny. Yeah, he did. I mean, he he got comprehensively beaten, but I don't think it's a disgrace to get beaten by uh, informed Max uh, Max Gorn. He um, I think Gorn had something like 30 touches, 35 hit outs, two goals. Like that's a, that's a fair day at the office. Um, but Lynch, Lynch tried. And I think that's, I think that's your point, Ash, is that he, he did everything within his power to try to negate Gorn's influence. It didn't really work, but, um, that's all you can ask for a guy who doesn't even have match conditioning of his own yet. And is being, is probably more a number two ruck than a number one ruck at this stage of his career. Uh, and I think he's only played something like six six games or something like that. So um, I, I, I give him a five and a half. He competed. He wasn't that effective. And when Melbourne got on top in that third quarter, he didn't touch the footy for the whole quarter. Um, and that, that hurts, you know, we need, you need somebody in the middle to um, stop that rot. And uh, he wasn't able to do that, but yeah, um, not dropping him or anything for that other, even if we did have other options. Um, we don't. I don't no, we don't. Future, so he plays. He's the most, he's most, secure, most secure place beside the moment, even ahead of Sicily and uh, Tom, do you think? Lockie Bramble, apologies to the Bramble fans out there. First game back for the season and it showed eight disposals. He had uh, 75% disposal efficiency, kicked the behind, Three score involvements. He gained 190 metres, which is pretty low by his standards. Um, it was in two centre bounces, which is unusual for someone who's usually an outside uh, medium. He also had a couple of kick-ins. What did you make of his game, Daz? Are we just happy to get him back to the side for his run? And does he hold his spot next week with GF hopefully returning? Yeah. I think he played most of the game on the wing, right? Um, yeah. But, uh, and, and maybe... Maybe he's kind of, you know, the, the, he's been playing a lot at half back and I, I think he felt a bit lost on the wing. Like, if, like he actually lost um, that, that touch on the wing um, just from playing half back for so long. Um, but he, yeah, he looked really rusty and I think he probably should have played another week in the VFL, to be honest. I think they rushed him back and he looked very, very um, unconditioned and just just did not impact the game at all. Didn't really notice him that, that much. And it's a four. Sorry, Lucky. I think it was fresh legs. They just needed a couple of fresh legs uh, who didn't play against the Swans on Monday and he offered that. Yes, Danny. 
Do you think that MP's one touch or two touch game last week to 21 touch game this week gives Lockie Bramble a, a reprieve at the selection table because the Hawks have, because there was a lot of people calling for MP's head last week after a really poor first, uh, you know, f- f- poor showing. And I was pretty happy that Mitchell stuck with him. Um, and maybe it's out of necessity or lack of depth, but I, um, I think, you know, your quality players, you give them more than one bad game before you drop them. And Mitchell did that and Impey bounced back. And I can kind of see some parallels with Bramble this week and hoping that, you know, with some some rest and recovery and some more um, time on the track that uh, next week against the Bombers, he'll absolutely carve them up. Well, next week might be the first time. I mean, just you know, We all talked about the abundance of halfbacks Hawthorne have got. You know, players, they're all available next if. if GF is available next week. They're all there. Yeah, and then and then Morrison comes back in to play on the wing. So I think Lockie's actually going to get dropped. So that's I'm fascinated by by selection this week because they could be that embarrassment of riches. All those those ten halfbacks, those nine ten halfbacks or defensive sort of players Hawthorne's got who misses out. I mean maybe maybe Morrison won't get up, but they've got a few to ring back. And the CJ's obviously an absolute. Natural to come back on the side if he's if he's fit and firing, if he's fit and available. So, and you know, uh, Josh Ward and, yeah. and Granger Barris should be back on the side next week as well. So that that's match committee this week will be the most fascinating of the season, I think, for them because they're looking at taking a pretty strong side into into the Essendon game. So for sure, and look, I don't think a week could you know going back to the VFL is the worst thing in the world for him. He he actually probably was one of our best players in the preseason. So uh, you know. It's just a conditioning thing with him, really. It just felt like he was not in 100% nick. Yeah, he might be the one. He might be the one to go. Luke Bruce had 10 disposals, kicked one goal, three, a bit like um, a bit like Jack Gutson. Didn't quite have the kicking boots on. Had two marks, two tackles. Only went 30% disposal efficiency, which would disappoint him. He had um, seven score involvements. He, as he took two marks, uh, both inside 50. 240 metres game, neither here nor there. Uh, what did you make of his game, Danny? Well, firstly, I think the thing that I want to point out is that we are not a club that has the depth of forwards to have our three most experienced forwards in Gunston, Wingard and Bruce kicking two goals eight for the day and to win a game. Um, we had as many uh, scoring shots as Melbourne uh, and if our leaders in those three that I've mentioned are the ones kind of letting the team down in, in front of goal. Um, a, it's not a great sign for, for them and how they're, how they're leading our forward line, but um, it's probably a good sign for the younger guys that are coming through that um, they're, they're carrying a pretty decent load. So um, I think, I think this is the kind of outing that we've had from Bruce a few times this year, where it's um, a little bit inaccurate in front of goal, lack of, getting the high teens possessions like he has in previous years. And I think Ash, maybe you had talked about um, that the, not the cliff, but the down, the downside of the, of the hill of the career. Oh, arc. The and, and I think, and I think we're seeing that, right? I so think we're seeing the last season and a half. I yeah. I think, I think you're absolutely right. I think probably for him and Gunston, um, you know, this is it's this season and next season, and and, and, and that's caught that, that and that's the whole again. This is we're taking the discussion offline a bit. That's the whole let's not get too uh, this. They have to replace a couple of experienced players in some shape or form the next couple of years, and it might mean yeah. for a team a step back 
in the couple of years when they're not playing. And that's why you know, they, they seem to have recruited replacements in Butler and uh, Sarong. Yeah. Uh, so the, the replacements of those guys, but it's all going to take time. They've been such stellar players. So. Absolutely. And, 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 and this is not a slight to Bruce or Gunston because they're still incredibly important now for the different reasons. Um, but you'd probably like to, that to be 3-1 instead of 1-3. And then you'd be going, yeah, he's definitely played his role this week. So um, I give him a five and a half. Yep. Jake Kaczynski couldn't have done, a whole, couldn't have done much more in his two weeks of uh, being the number one forwarder Hawthorne in the advocates of Mitch Lewis. Against Melbourne on Saturday, the MCG had 10 disposals, five kicks. Um, he took three marks, two tackles, four goals straight uh, with an 80% disposal efficiency. He took um, he took three uncontested marks. He uh, Yeah, that's probably the, the, the key figures for him. One ruck contest for, for the day. Daz, he, he's done pretty well for himself, and now we wait to see how it's going to work from next week, whether he keeps his place with uh, Huffley Lewis returning. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a really big Jacob Kaczynski fan. I had him in my plays to watch for the year and I first few rounds, I, I thought that was a really bad decision to, to put him in that list. But he's, he's you know, taken his chance really well. And, if, I mean, you, you can't... Kicking four straight um, is is a really impressive effort. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how he gels with Mitch Lewis. I'm a bit worried that it's a, a kind of, you know, that situation when... Uh, Tom Mitchell came back from injury. Can he play in the same midfield as James Warple? I, I, I think there may be an issue there of those two sort of gelling together because um, they're, they're, both, they're both kind of big presences there in the forward line. And um, I think once they gel, we'll have a pretty formidable duo. Um, I think Kaczynski's a way better player in the lead. I'm, I'm, I don't, he hasn't really taken a lot of contested marks and it doesn't seem to be his game. But yeah, I'm I'm going to give him a seven and a half. I thought it was I thought it was a really solid game. I actually think Cozzy and Lewis have the potential to really mesh well um, once they get used to each other because they're they're different players. I think I think Lewis does like to roam to find the ball a bit more, so he'll go higher up the ground, uh, present to the wings. Uh, he is more of a, a, a pack marker than Cozzy is. Cozzy doesn't really get off the ground that much, but what he does do because it's game. What I really like about him as a forward is. Um, his defensive efforts as a forward are really good. He he doesn't often lose marking contests. So he'll either win them or he'll just nullify them. He'll kill them. And you can see it in his mind. He'll he'll watch the ball coming and go, check where his positioning is. If he doesn't feel like he's in a good position as forward, he clicks into defender mode in his mind. You can actually see the moment where he goes, okay, bring it to ground, bring it to ground. And that's great. And, and that was exactly how... Connor McDonald kicked his goal in the first quarter. It's um, Kaczynski, not in a great position, still affecting the contest. Ball drops down and McDonald, his second week in a row, I think, um, kicking a beautiful little snap like that around the corner. So um, there's there's something to work with there. And I mean, if, you know, Lewis started the season in some beautiful form and then Cozzy's come in and kicked seven in two weeks, um, maybe as Ash was talking about, having the two of them there and unlucky Jackson Keller, you're probably going to be dropped back to box Hill if Mitchell Lewis is uh, fit next week. Um, but maybe that releases Gunston a little bit more too, to become a true third tool. Um, and maybe he gets off the leash a little bit more as well. Yeah. I think that's uh, well summarized. And uh, David Hale will earn his money from this week because we all want the forwards coach at Hawthorne. We all want to see how it's going to work out. Hopefully with them 
It's a good point on Hale, though. It's a good point on Hale because the four, the, these guys look so much better this year. And, and, and maybe it's just, you know, th- their work rate or something's clicked into gear for them. But if it's David Hale's influence, then it's another sort of masterstroke in the assistant coaching recruitment. Well, Craig McRae takes the credit for Kaziski because he identified him really as quietly playing this guy on the forward line. Or actually, the decision might have been made in the hub in 2020 that maybe Kaziski is going to be a forward. But then they said to McRae at the start of preseason 2021, make it work. We want to play him as a forward. And uh, he, he turned him into a, into a forward. And now, um, and now it's Hale's job to make them work together, which actually worries me about something now. If it doesn't work out, maybe McCray might try and get Cosy to Collingwood. So uh, we think about... They need a forward. <laughs> they need a forward. Yeah. Jack Gunson. <laughs> well, they're trying to get Sicily, apparently. So uh, Riley's trying to get whoever he can out of Hawthorne at the moment, having tried to get Sam Mitchell as coach as his first move. Liam Shields had 10 disposals. He had um, seven marks. Seven marks, jeez. Three tackles. He uh, mainly defensive half, so sort of working back for a lot of it. Hundred percent disposal efficiency. Um, he had two hundred exactly two hundred meters gained. He had um, what else did he have? He had three rebound fifties, three tackles. That's uh, that's his bread and butter. Agree. Just a, a lean Shields game. I think we are seeing a, a wonderful servant of the football club slowly being phased out with as much dignity as possible, Danny. You're absolutely right. And I think it's a little bit like um, Puapolo in his last season where he'll come in for spot games here and there and the back half of the year, you won't see much of him. And then they'll bring him in for a farewell game towards the end of the year. I think he's probably a year ahead in the trajectory from Gunston and Bruce. Um, but I just feel like, and it blows me away. Like I was as shocked as, uh, as, as you were with, uh, seven marks from 10 touches. That's a very unliam shields like, um, but I just, I just think that, you know, unless we're short and look, he gets a game this week because Ward was rested, but if Ward's back and ready to go next week, um, I'm sorry, Liam, your services are no longer required is, is what I would say. And it's just, it's just a five from me. I have a theory that, um, Sam Mitchell said to, to, to Ward, you have to rest the next couple of weeks. You can either miss the Melbourne game, the MCG, with all your toffee mates and Melbourne grammar in the stands, or you can fulfil your childhood dream of playing for Hawthorne against Essendon. Which one do you want? Wouldn't Ward's have batted an eyelid. Oh, I'm playing against the Bonners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was in the MCC bar, wasn't he? I'm joking. He probably wasn't. He's been boring with all his mates uh, from the grammar. Uh, Connor McDonald, 11 disposals, three marks, one tackle, a very nice uh, opportunity, and almost a Connie Mack patented snap goal, as you were saying before, Danny, in the first quarter, Hawthorne's third of the match, 91% disposal efficiency. Um, he went, uh, he took three marks, all uncontested, 95 metres gained, uh, not a whole lot else to report. They're just finding a little place for him to play every week and learn. Uh, the caper, he again struggled to probably have an effect on the game for four quarters, but again went missing for part of the game. It was okay in the last as Hawthorne started to press again. What you make of his game, Dad? Yeah, it's an interesting one with Connor because I'm I'm not what, sure really what his best position is, and he's been playing um, mostly in that sort of medium forward role. Uh, but we spoke about the goal already, but I think I was really impressed with the 
with his pickup. Um, and just he just uses the footy so well. It's just one of those players where time sort of stops when he's got the ball and he, he just makes the right decision. And for a young player um, in his first year with the speed of the AFL, it doesn't seem to have phased him at all. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see where his best position is. I think he was recruited as an inside midfielder and and maybe that's where he'll end up. But I I, I think he sort of reminds me in a way of a, a Connor Rosie kind of player. No, you, yeah, thumbs up. Okay. Yeah. He, he just. The, I was going to say that, Daz. I was going to yeah. say there were shades of Connor Rosie uh, on Saturday. I didn't want to pump him up because um, Kane Corns will start talking him down because Connor Rosie is the best thing since sliced bread. But um, you're, I think you're absolutely right. And, and I don't think that the Hawks thought that he might be that type of player. He was definitely an inside mid and an accumulator in his TAC. Like, man averaged 30 touches for Dandenong Stingrays across his uh, last year of TAC Cup footy, so or NAB, NAB League. Um, and I think that's where he ends up. But I think he's... I think he's silkier and a little bit craftier than we, um, or maybe that maybe the recruiting guys from Hawthorne knew that, but that's not what I saw as a player when I watched a few of his, uh, a few of his games um, and, and, and the footage that I could get a hold of from him last year. So different strings again, adding to his bow. Yeah. He just uses class Connor McDonald. So, you know, I'm going to give him a, give him a six. All right. Finn McGinnis. Stats don't tell half the story. 12 disposals, five kicks, seven handballs, three marks, one tackle, didn't score. 67% time defensive half, 50% disposal efficiency, um, 119 minutes on the ground. So he, he was on there for most of it, 210 metres gained. Um, and he, we're talking about taking to the cleaners. Well, if Harbour did a job on Fritch, Danny, what would you describe the job that Finn McGuinness did on Ed, Ed, the best wingman in the AFL, Langdon? Demolition. Um, I think I think Melbourne scored one goal because of Ed Langdon's run and carry, and you could see Finn just trying his absolute hardest to catch up with him. But after that, it, it was it was nothing. It was like it was like Ed Langdon wasn't playing, and I think that that's phenomenal because. Um, I got sent a, I got sent the stats from Langdon um, this year, and I think he's averaged something like twenty five touches a game, and and Finn kept him to nine. That's that's a phenomenal effort because if you think about what um, what Langdon means for them in their run and carry, he's very Isaac Smith like in the way that he generates that ball movement from the back half, working all the way deep inside the defensive 50 and then getting multiple, like we talked about Dylan Moore and his ability to have multiple touches in the one chain, Ed Langdon's the same. And he just is so crucial for them in their link-up play. And Finn just snuffed him out, which was just incredible. I thought that's far and away the best game Finn Finn has played uh, for Hawthorne. Um, there'll still be haters that say his disposal wasn't great and it wasn't. Um, there was a few of those messages in our WhatsApp chat. This is why Finn will never make it. Da, 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 da. But it's a real skill to have the ability to play on someone and lock someone down and do it effectively. There's not a lot of people that have the level of discipline that is required to completely forget about your own game and, and focus on the other person and stopping them and doing it effectively like Finn did today. It's what they've been building for for like, it's what they've been programming in for 
this sort of role for the last 12 months. And clearly, he was always going to play and Morrison was never going to play, but they just wanted to keep as long as possible. And even then, they bring him in late as the change. And well, is he going to go to Petrarca or is he going to go to Oliver? There was a bit of a cryptic clue from Sam Mitchell and SEN on Friday morning. We talked about going, you think about the players with the score involvement, so if you're going to run a tag. But um, I wasn't overly surprised to him go to Lendon because I think he's the most, he's the best athlete. Best athlete at the football club, even though we, you know, we, Hawthorne went, was famous under the Peter Schwab and Bowden Babachuk era for going for athletes over footballers. There is a role for the athlete in football, and Finn McGuinness played that role to a charm. Some weeks there won't be the obvious matchup for Finn to tag, and he might not play, or he'll be a more offensive player, and we're all going to have our head in our hands the way he disposes of the footy. But I just thought, I agree with you, I thought it was a fat, fabulous game from him. He showed his worth at the football club. I think Sam Mitchell stuck his neck out for him a bit. Would have been absolutely delighted with his performance. Uh, yeah, so well Adam, done to fit. And I can see I can see him having a role this week against one of those soft, softish Essen runners as well. There'll be a role for him somewhere. There's plenty this of week. them. You want the matchup? It might, might be a few weeks, but the matchup later in the year that could be fascinating. Kenny Bailey Smith. Would you write? You know, we've got a lot to look forward to. But you can you can go through now and look at every team. Maybe you can look at every team now and say, "Well, this is this is Finn's guy." Yeah, I agree. And I think, like, I'd be looking at uh, probably Darcy Parrish for Finn next week um, as, as a matchup. But the beautiful thing about Finn with his body shape and his strength is that if it is a Bailey Smith or a Jack McRae or even like a Josh Dunkley, he can go with them physically and aerobically. So um, that, that gives us options for who he can tag. Uh, and I think that that's, uh, I think that's really important. And because he's decent overhead as well for a guy, uh, for a, a midfield size player, if the the Bailey Smith types take him forward, uh, you know, and they go forward and they take him into defence, I think he'd be okay. And I think that's really exciting. I, I didn't give him a rating again. Um, we just want to talk about these guys and forget to rate them. It's a ratings podcast, so we'll give him a rating. Um, uh, I thought he was great and I'd give him an eight. Yeah. And it's probably three more than he's ever got on this podcast. <laughs> It was awesome watching him at the on the ground because you, you would have just, been that side of the ground because he played. I was. Like, like, I was the MCC, so I was sort of peering to see what they were doing. But you would have had the great. I was. I had a great view of him. Right. I was right on top of it. And the thing is, you know, it's not a it's not a Ryan Crowley hard tag where he's just niggling Langdon and he just beat him aerobically and athletically, and that's just incredible because we all know how good of an athlete uh, Langdon is. So. Yeah, it's, I agree with everything you've said. He, it was a terrific game. Well done, and, Finn. And now there's the blueprint. So. A couple more to go. John uh, Newcomb, 21 disposals, uh, seven marks, three tackles. He had um, six contested possessions, five turnovers, three intercepted possessions, didn't score, took seven uncontested marks, two clearances, uh, which is probably a bit down for what we like to see from, from Jai. Um 22 centre-bats to tennises, which might have been the most of any Hawthorne player, actually, come to think of it. Um, Daz, what do, you, uh, what do you think of Super Jai? Well, I think we've set the bar so high for him now that, you know, he gets 21 possessions and you feel like he hasn't had a great game. Um, he still did a lot of really good things. I think he turned it over a few, a bit, a few too many times um, for my liking. But, you know, and, and again, the, the, the bit of Jai ball... Involved in just when he just goes and gives it an almighty roost. I think five he, turnovers. 
Yeah, five turnovers. I think he sometimes he forgets that he has more time, and he, you know sometimes you'll just kick it without without anyone on him, and you you just kind of scratch your head. But he does some freakishly good things with his. He's just got a bullet pass, and he's it's just the way he kicks the ball is so so damaging at times. Um, and I'm, I he, I can't wait for him to take on the bombers. I think he's just going to approach that with so much ferocity and um yeah it's a it's a six for me wasn't his best game but you know just just such an exciting young player um finally jackson callow on debut six disposals one kick five handball took three marks laid one tackle he had 83 percent disposal efficiency for that he had uh turned the ball over once he took uh, one contested, two uncontested marks. He had three hitouts for our second ruckman of fourteen at fourteen ruck contests, six centre bounce attendances. Um, at one stage, he tried to take on his opponent. Would he with the cheeky play on? I think at one stage he, he did as well. Danny, uh, how would he? How'd you write his debut game? Well, firstly, a. Baptism of fire, if I've ever seen one coming in. And I think, Daz, uh, we, we talked about that before the game. It was, oh, good luck, young fellow, up against May and Lever and a completely dominant Melbourne backline. But um, he competed. He tried hard. I think I think with debuts for key forwards especially, like we've, we've been so blessed to see in recent times the Roughheads and the Franklins come through and even they struggle early, right? So um, it's... It's not surprising to see him not fill up a stat sheet or kick a bag of goals or anything like that. But um, he is a real presence, I think. He's a he's a big, big man. Um, he loves the physical side of the game, and it it'll be great for him. He'll he'll go all right. Tick that. That's a debut game. Tick that off the bucket list. And if he doesn't play next week, there'll be a real hunger to get back into the team, and that's only going to add. Um, I think he's an incredible competitor and, um, and, and I think you need that as a, as a key forward. And I think, um, yeah, I, th- I think he was, I think he was okay. Um, I'd give him a five and a half, but, um, but really I just want to see him go back to Box Hill and just smash the VFL level and make it impossible for us not to play him again. And finally, and you can work out which one you want to take this, uh, what are you giving the coach this week? Oh, nine. <laughs> I mean, it's the best side in the comp. And you know what? The difference between the way Clarko would have approached that game was just to, 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 to do everything that we can to disrupt Melbourne's game rather than just taking the game on. And Sam Mitchell, you know, there, there wasn't much. There were a few really smart tags that he put on, but we attacked the game from... From, from the, the moment the game started to the end. And that's just the way Hawthorne plays now. And we stuck to it. And um, I just, I just am so impressed with just his, his sort of chutzpah to, um, to just continue to play this slingshot offense, even against Melbourne and be prepared to lose that game by 10 goals. Well, we the, the attitude certainly three quarter time was, well, we'll lose by the Brad, 75 points, or we'll uh, see if we can win it. Make it three goals to none in the last quarter. Um, the blueprint that people talk about on Channel 9 on the footy show today, they might be talking about, was uh, they dragged May up the ground. And May is lost when he's not the goalkeeper. 
and there Abs- were a couple of absolutely. times May turned. I've got May stats in front of me, but a couple of times May turned the balls fumbly because he's way out of his comfort zone. They dragged him up towards the wing at times. Um, I often, think they I'm couldn't sorry. then sort of get the ball down there to exploit that. But uh, again, it was bold coaching, I thought, from from Sam Mitchell. And and I think you've hit the nail on the head there, Ash. If we want to talk about Mitchell's coaching and sum it up. He is a bold coach. He does not leave any stone unturned. And I think I saw that we saw that last year for Box Hill. If you watched any of Box Hill under Mitchell, they'd often either start really well um, and teams would sort of exploit them sometimes on the other way, or even they were always in the game. Even if they were 30 points down, you thought, no, no, Mitchell, Mitchell will get them going here. And he, and he would. And my one concern was it's great to do that at VFL level, but how does that, transition to AFL when the teams are so much more deadly by hand and foot and can really exploit uh, any weaknesses in your defensive setup. And to this point, I mean, even, even commentators who normally don't have much positive to say about the Hawks are talking about how we, how well this, how well coached this team is and how far ahead of where the expectations were for the Hawks at the start of the year. So the narrative about um, Hawthorne has changed incredibly. Completely. Let's talk a bit more about it. I actually might write a piece for Hawks and Tigers about it. Well, the narrative has really changed. Yeah. And yep. that's started. And the coach has got a huge role to play in that. So exciting times. I think we walked away from uh, the MCG yesterday. If you were there or watched, we thoroughly entertained, thoroughly impressed, not particularly disappointed at the result. I suspect the players were gutted because I think they – and I think Sam alluded to that in the post-match press conference. The players were, were gutted afterwards because they he sold a path to victory and they almost got there. So um, if anything, they're going to go in favourites. That hasn't happened all that often. They're going to be the favourites this week against Essendon. And how will they handle that? That's going to be interesting. Uh, Marvel on Saturday night, and uh, you know we'll be going to the footy on Saturday night, expecting to see a win, and that hasn't happened often all that often of late. It'll be a sweet victory if it happens because it's against uh, the arch enemy, but. That's the challenge now for, for Mitchell. Even Richard, the following week, I think he's trapped uh, as a winnable game as well. So a big couple of weeks coming up. That has been our rankings. I don't think we actually end up doing every single player ranking, but I think we gave you the guts of what we thought of their performances. Um, look for our sort of player review or match review uh, on the Substack in the next couple, probably tomorrow, Darren, being Monday at some stage. Yep, yep tomorrow. All good to go. And we'll be uh, doing spaces for the next few weeks on Thursday nights until Thursday night footy comes back uh, in about round 12 or something. So we'll be back to Thursdays next few weeks. Hawks Insiders, $5 a month, $50 for the season to support us and what we do, try to bring you great content from a Hawthorne point of view. Danny, thank you for stepping in. No problem. Thank you for having me. Darren, well done to you and thank you. We see as you uh, camp outside Surioli's house, we look forward to having you back with us before too long. Looking forward to progress report about his trip to the Northern Territory. Um, and Brad and Simon hopefully join us as well on Thursday night. They have the whole, most of the, all the crew back together. Have a good week, everybody. We will talk to you again later in the week. Thanks for listening. And uh, we'll talk to you then. Good night.